This is Genie the Podcast, Episode 9, with EQ, founder of the Freedom Golf Association. Well, Ryan, uh, you know, when you're lying in bed with a lot of bandages, no feet and hands, you have basically two options. You know, one, you say, I can't, or the other, say, you can. And so I couldn't lie there. I have great grandchildren. Uh, I love teaching them, keeping up with them. They're growing faster than weeds, so I said, EQ, get up, get going. Welcome to Genie the Podcast, Episode 9. My name is Ryan Walker, and I'm your host and the founder of Genie Magazine. Genie the brand is dedicated to all things golf and entrepreneurship. We are talking to people who are turning their passion for golf into their career and doing so in amazing ways. Today we have on an incredible individual. His name is EQ, and he is the founder of the Freedom Golf Association. Edmund Sylvester, a.k.a. AKA EQ, has an unbelievable story to becoming the founder of the FGA, and it is full of persistence, and in that process, he has helped thousands of people through his association. So I'm really looking forward to diving into this interview so you all can learn more about his story. Welcome to the show today, EQ. How are you doing? I'm wonderful, Ryan. Thank you very much for your call. It's my pleasure, EQ, and thank you for coming on the show. And so... What you're doing with the Freedom Golf Association is absolutely incredible. You are giving individuals with a disability the chance to play golf and grow within the game. And so do you mind telling our audience a little bit about your background and how you came to this point in your life of creating the Freedom Golf Association? Certainly, Ryan. Uh, I was an international businessman. I worked for companies. I've worked for General Motors. And then I started my own company, which was very successful and sold. 2011, um, actually it was sold in 2010, and and then I was uh, free and loose in uh, the first couple months of 2011, ready to pursue my two passions, which are golf and photography. And in May of 2011, I suffered a major body infection and was turned into septus, which is a major uh, infection of the body that shuts down your organs and, you know, you really, uh, no blood goes to your extremities. And therefore, I went into a coma. And uh, then after the coma, I came out after two weeks and they uh, performed 12 surgeries. And uh, I left the hospital uh, in New York as a triple amputee, went to the Chicago Rehabilitation Institute, where they tended my wounds and taught me how to walk again uh, on prosthetics and how to feed myself with only two fingers. And um, when I got out of the rehab, uh, which was quite, quite intensive, I had to figure out what I could do with my body and uh, my new body. And basically, uh, I did learn to swim with no feet and hands. Uh, that was quite an experience. And, very pleased to learn that whales float. And um, then I rode a horse. And uh, when we got back to the barn, uh, they pulled the wrong leg off and pulled off my prosthetic. And then they said, oh, my God, what are we going to do now? And I said, well, I think it's in the best interest we put the prosthetic back, back on so I can get off the darn horse. Then my luck kind of ran out. Uh, I... Uh, my shadow, so I had to look for some professional instruction, and I really couldn't find any. And uh, so I did some research, and I found out from the PGA of America there are 18 million 
physically disabled that want to play golf but don't because, like me, they couldn't find any professional instruction. And then the second constraint they had was that when they went to a golf course, they were not welcomed or worse, they were turned away. And so I said, wow, I think I have a new mission in life. Let me see if I can overcome some of those constraints for those who are suffering like I am and bring them up some joy to their life and maybe a sense of freedom as they get out of the house and hit a golf ball. So I started Freedom Golf in uh, 2012. We held our first clinic in January 2013. And since then, uh, we've helped over 4,000 uh, uh, enjoy the game of golf. Um, learned that golf has tremendous rehabilitative, social, and therapeutic values. Uh, we have seen stroke victims talk again. Uh, I'll tell you a great story about Lorenzo. Um, he came to our clinic, was there the first five weeks, then came for the next second five. And during the middle of the five, his wife came up to me and said, EQ, I don't think this is the best for Lorenzo. And I said, Mary, why not? And he, she said, it's because he's starting to talk again. And I said, what's the matter with that? He said, well, he started to tell dirty jokes all over again. And so I thought that was, I thought that was an amazing improvement. And, uh, you know, we have seen uh, not only stroke victims talk again and, you know, get rehabilitated, but we've seen um, soldiers, wounded soldiers suffering from PTSD have a new life. We had one in the championship, which we hosted a booth, and um, he and about 12 others came, wounded warriors. At such a good time, he asked, asked if he could join us, and I said, sure. So we brought him out to the clinic, and he wasn't a bad golfer, and then he asked to become an adaptive golf instructor, so he went through our two-day training program. And then in September of 2015, on he was one of 20 invited down to George Bush's Veterans Championship in Dallas. He had the, the best time. And when he came back, he said, EQ, you know, if it weren't for you and Freedom Golf, I'd still be in a bar today. So uh, we've seen amputees. And, yeah, we've seen amputees and uh, cerebral palsy uh, play in championships. We have one Iraqi uh, veteran that lost his leg above his knee. Uh, he played in the World Disabled Golf Championship, which um, United States Adaptive Golf Alliance held. And um, if you can believe this, uh, he played from the Blues three days. Last day was 90 degrees. He shot five under par. Wow, that's incredible. That sounds just like one of my previous features, Mike Brown, who is an amputee professional golfer, and he shot five under in a European Tour Pro-Am after just picking up golf three years before that, and it's it's amazing. And so I'm wondering, what were your first steps like towards creating this association, and were there any challenges you faced in the way? Well, first of all, we put together a, a, a adaptive golf workshop, and we invited the best adaptive golf uh, instructor uh, from Florida to come up and lead our session. And we held a two-day session, uh, first day where they have indoor seminar clinics, 
And then the second day, the uh, new adaptive golf instructors practice what they learned. Um, and we have um, the disabled come out and they practice with all the disabilities that are there. It could be amputees or one arm. It could be blind. It could be uh, paraplegic. As a matter of fact, we had one paraplegic come um, that Saturday after the Friday workshop. The name of John Moroni came from uh, St. Catharines in Ontario with his wife. His wife went through the course, and he was paraplegic. And um, he became a paraplegic two weeks before he and Penny got married. And she married him and been married with him, married to him for 20 years. So I said, John, how about hitting a golf ball? And he said, no, no, I'm not getting out of, out of my wheelchair. And so he saw some of the disabled hit a golf ball. And we went up to him again and said, look, we've got a special rider card for you. You can get up and you can hit a golf ball. Oh, okay, he said. So we got him in the single rider card, gun strapped in. He didn't hit the first couple of balls. When he hit a golf ball, he kept hitting them and hitting them. He hit a whole bucket of balls. Went over to the chipping area, started chipping and putting. Um, and then his wife asked, could we get him some adaptive clubs so he could play again? And we arranged that, fitted him, sent him up to Canada. And his wife, Penny, emailed us back and said, thank you, EQ and Freedom Golf Association for what you've done for John. He's now playing with his best friend, his son, and his wife, me, who's been out of the picture for 20 years. Thank you, Freedom Golf, for everything you've done for our family. You know, you, you really can't beat something like that. And uh, those are the inspirational moments to keep driving us forward. And Ryan, I went to the PGA of America, went to the USGA, I went to the PGA Tour and said, look, this is what we're doing. Not only that, we're holding clinics at championships like the Encompass Championship, where we had all the kids out and then we used snag and they had a wonderful day learning how to hit a golf ball and of course the best part of the day was the pizza and the ice cream they all had fun <laughs> and those organizations you know patted us on the back and said thank you very much you're doing a great job you know and but that's the last we heard of them they never turned around and supported us and even though part of their mission said we want to be inclusive um they were very narrowly focused on their own individual missions. So I said, okay, I know that there are others out there, other organizations, they're probably like Freedom Golf, no one gives them any attention. So let's see what I can do to bring them all together. And I met a group of disabled individuals who played in the World Paralong Drive Contest. They were amazing athletes. And I said, guys, we ought to get into the Paralympics. And they said, well, we've been talking about it. I said, well, how long have you been talking about it? He said, oh, maybe uh, five years. I said, well, let's see if we can't get something done. So I volunteered to put it all together, and I formed the United States Adaptive Golf Alliance uh, back in December 2014. And the first chapter, of course, was the Freedom Golf Association. And today we have 17 chapters across the country, and we're helping 10,000 disabled annually, of which 23% are um are veterans, wounded veterans. And I have two, two or three objectives ahead of me. One, let's see if we can get the Paragolf recognized by the Paralympic Committee 
as a, a uh, Paralympic sport in the Olympic Games. And I've gotten pretty close, and we're, we have established a constructive dialogue with the International Paralympic Committee, and we hope that they'll make a positive decision accepting paragolf as a Paralympic sport in September 2013. And then secondly, I'm working on further research because I've seen what golf does for the those who are suffering from PTSD. There are 350,000 wounded veterans in this country suffering from PTSD. And that's just the number who admit they're suffering from PTSD. And I have seen golf, you know, sport for the individual whereby the arms cross the body. And according to the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago, they said that that's a very positive um, moment and it has a positive impact on the brain. So I want to take that research further. We've had a survey of 40 uh, international disabled individuals who, in answering the survey, and that's proved that 95% saw positive mental, physical, and social benefits from the game of golf, which was an amazing outcome of this survey. And so I'm taking it further and see what we can do to make and show that uh, golf is a treatment, possible treatment for um, PTSD. So those are the two big initiatives as well, growing the golf across the country. That's amazing that you have found golf to be such a great rehabilitation tool for veterans who are suffering from PTSD. And I know that there are organizations out there like the On Course Charity that are focusing on doing just that for veterans. And so that's amazing. And I was wondering, have you been able to connect with any of the bigger organizations in the golf world to help you achieve these goals and initiatives that you have set for yourself? Absolutely. Um, as you know, we knocked on the door uh, many times of USGA to be more inclusive and to, you know, reach out to the disabled. Um, they they announced on February 4th that they were going to be holding or plans to hold um, the national champions for, for the disabled golf. And it was met with great surprise and joy by all the disabled in this country, I know, uh, as well as it was recognized as uh, by the Golf Digest magazine as terrific. And so I wrote Mike Davis, who is the executive director of the uh, of the USGA. I said, dear Mike, this is fabulous news. Congratulations. Um, if there's anything that USAGA can do to help you as being the, as we're the leading expert in adaptive golf in this country, don't hesitate to call us. And he wrote back, dear EQ, thank you for your nice note. There would be no way that we wouldn't call on you for your expertise and experience in adaptive golf. Thank you for all you do for the game of golf. Best regards, Mike. And so over the years, we've developed, I guess, a fairly close relationship. And um, we will be, I'm sure, working with them to help them uh, grow their inclusion for the disabled in the game of golf. And of course, with the support of the USGA, um, the United States Golf Association, which has been in existence since the late 1800s, uh, 
you know, this is a great step forward for recognition of the disabled in the game of golf. So I think we can see a little bit of the top of the mountain and we know there's some boulders in the way, but we can get around those and get up to the top and, you know, with the USGA and the Paralympic Games, um, I think we will demonstrate to the 57 million disabled in this country that, yes, they can get out of bed, they can play, hit the golf ball, play, and even compete in international tournaments. Um, and that will be, I think, a great culmination of what we've been trying to do and I have been personally trying to do for, it's just about five years now. You know, it's just about five years. It'll be five in July. Well, congratulations on how far you've come in just five years. It's it's outstanding, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how much farther you come and, and your association in the next five years. And so I was wondering, what do you think it is about golf that allows it to be such a great therapeutic tool? I think it's a mental question. Um, you're a golfer, obviously, and, you know, when you go up to the first tee, you, you know, you're bringing some mental problems or baggage with you, you know, maybe – something happened at home or something happened at work. And so you're thinking about all those things and you get up and you hit the first ball and then all of a sudden you have to find the ball and then you get the second. And, you know, by the time you get to the second tee, I mean, you're really concentrating on the game of golf. And uh, that's what golf does. I think you, know, you concentrate on something, you forget about your problems. And when you hit the sweet spot, as all of us know, it it brings you out again. It it just gets you exciting and excited. And you don't have to hit the club in the sweet spot all the time. Just once in a while, an eighteen hole, and you're coming back for seconds. And we have seventy nine seventy nine percent repeatability, and it's all because you know they love swinging a golf ball and hitting a golf ball. We have one Down syndrome that's now been with us for about three or four years. And when she started, when Mary started, she couldn't hit a golf ball. And last Christmas. Her parents gave her a set of golf clubs, and she's just enjoying the sport. It's just fabulous. Not only that, when she played in our golf outing, she was one of four others. We played a scramble, so she was the fifth. And she had, was playing with two executives from the White Sox. They had such a good time with her and vice versa. They invited her entire family to go to the executive box at the White Sox game. And so you can imagine here is where they, they're not only inclusive, but there's now in, embedded somewhat in the social fabric. You know, here she goes from being disabled on a golf course to with her family watching the White Sox play baseball. I mean, what a great, great step forward and how exciting that, that the White Sox embrace her and, and she embraces the game of golf and, and baseball. That's incredible, and it's so great that with your association, you are not just giving them the ability to play golf, but also help them establish a life outside of golf. And this is all happening for these people because of your association. So did you ever imagine that when this traumatic event happened to you five years ago, uh, did you ever expect that it would turn into a positive like this and that you would help and change so many lives? Well, Ryan, uh, you know, when you're lying in bed with a lot of bandages and no feet and hands, you have basically two options. You know, one, you say, I can't, or the other say, you can. And so I couldn't lie there. I have great grandchildren. Uh, I love teaching them, keeping up with them. They're growing faster than weeds. So I said, EQ, get up, get going. And I just had to get going. 
but I didn't know what I was going to do. And so as I told you, I had to make sure I could figure out what to do with my body. And, you know, I could swim, I could ride a horse, but I couldn't hit a golf ball very well. My swing speed went from 95 miles an hour down to four. And I said, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So that was the first challenge, see if I could hit a golf ball. And I got my swing up to about 40 miles an hour, and I could hit a five-wood over, over 100 yards, which I was very pleased about. And I used to hit a 200, but getting it over 100 was a pretty good challenge. And that's when I said, okay, this is, this is something I can do. And I found out that there were 57 million disabled in this country, and I knew there were 18 million physically disabled that wanted to play golf. I said, well, let's see. Let's see what I can do. I'm retired. I can spend my time doing this. And, you know, I was in manufacturing, and when we sold the product, you had to hope there was a market. And, you know, you were satisfied when your customer bought it again and again. Here, the market is wide open. You know, there's so much out there that needs help that there's no, and there's no competition. And, you know, if there's competition, we all, work together. So in many respects, we come together easily and therefore we can do more. Not easily, but we can do more. And our biggest problem is raising funds because, you know, we're not really selling a product, we're selling a mission. And those who donate, they donate once and feel good about it. So what you need to do is get more donors, get more donors to donate more than just once. And that's our biggest challenge because there's so many golfers out there, disabled golfers that really love the sport. It's not that. It's giving the money to support the mission and to grow and, you know, take the first disabled golf team to the Paralympic Games, whether it's in Tokyo or 2024, perhaps in Los Angeles. So that's that's the real real challenge. Helping the disabled is, is easy. That's That's the easy part. Well, hopefully not only with this article, but on the site, we can set something up that will allow people to donate because just hearing your story and the mentality you had when you were in bed and you had a choice to either lay there or get up and get moving, I think so many people in life can learn from that exact statement, no matter their situation. And it has been a true honor to interview you, EQ, and hear your story. And I cannot wait to see Freedom Golf Association continue to grow and change lives. And hopefully uh, we can get you back on the podcast for an update soon. I'll tell you about it. I'd be glad to. And thank you very much for your interest in my story and what we're doing for the disabled, especially in the game of golf. That's where we're focused. And uh, I can't tell you how honored I am that you called. And uh, I wish you all the success in your venture. And I think you've got a great combination of golf and entrepreneurship. Well, thank you for the kind words, EQ. They are very much appreciated. And it has been a true pleasure to interview you and learn about your story. So, I look forward to keeping in touch. And to all our listeners, thank you everyone for tuning in to g the podcast. Make sure to go over to our website, gnemagazine.com, spelled G-A-N-D-E magazine.com, and check out the feature to go along with this episode. So please head over to the website, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the online magazine so you never miss new content and inspiring entrepreneurs and golfers. Once again, my name is Ryan Walker, and I thank you for listening today.